0: moving, and storage studio, it's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, host of the Ken Coleman Show, where he talks about getting the job that you love, making the money that you should make and uh, all things jobs and career, and you got questions about that, jump in. He's here to help, and we're going to talk about your life and your money. It's what we always do. The phone number is 888 825 Dan is in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hi, Dan. Welcome
1: to The Ramsey Show. Hello, Dave and crew. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So here's my situation. I'm 61 years old. I'm going to be 62 in January. I'll be retiring from corporate America. I'm married 42 years I purchased a home in Pennsylvania this past April while my New York home was up for sale. And for that Pennsylvania home, I got a 30 year variable rate mortgage for $495,000. And it's currently fixed at 2.8% for the next 10 years with a payment of 2,700 a month. I sold my New York home shortly after I closed on the PA home. So my question is, should I take the 500,000 from the sale of my New York home and pay off the Pennsylvania mortgage or, should I invest that 500,000 in a managed Fidelity Vanguard or some other index fund and use that interest on the 500k to pay off the PA home at least for the next 10 years and then reassess the situation because I have no debt other than that PA mortgage. My wife and I should be bringing home about 11,000 a month when we retire as I have a pension and I got 1.1 $1. $1 million in my 401k which is mostly sitting in cash money market now. Why? What should I do?
0: Why is it in cash and money markets?
1: Um, well, you know, I've had it invested in index funds for two, 25 years, and I've done well. And that and
0: they're on sale right place,
1: now. I'm nervous with the. I mean, had I had that in there, where my market's losing twenty percent this year, so that's what scared me. Uh, I, I I dabbled back in a, about a month ago. I put three hundred thousand into the market again, split it in index funds, small, medium, large uh, cap index yeah. funds. 33 and a third so i i don't know i I think the market's on hey
0: i'm I'm your age and i think the market's on sale i haven't taken any out and i'm putting money in i think it's a good buy right now so you can do what you want to do but i wouldn't have a million one sitting on the sidelines making no money that'd drive me nuts um
1: now what about the mortgage
0: i pay it off tomorrow
1: and not use the interest on that you've asked this question suggesting the answer
0: six times Um, and so you really don't want to pay off the mortgage. You really want to invest it. But let me tell you why I'm telling you to pay it off. Okay. In our study of 10,000 millionaires that are sitting about where you're sitting, the vast majority of them were between one and $3 million net worth, which is exactly where you're sitting. Uh, we found, we did not find any of them that said not one, not a single one that said the way I became a millionaire was borrowing on my home to invest in the stock market. None of them said that. <laughs> and effectively that is your question, isn't it? Yes, should, should exactly. I borrow on my home at 2.8% and invest in index funds? Oh wait, I've got a million one on the sidelines because I'm scared of the market and I don't think it's going to do that well. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah. You answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> no you're hey dan listen here's the thing uh if i were in your shoes and i I, and i am in the sense that we're about the same age i would be 100 percent debt free and i'd get back in the market uh with the other money and you're going to have a great life the sense of peace that you have when you have zero debt is not definable with mathematics Mm. and you've worked your butt off and you have done a great job of building a high-quality retirement, dude. You're a stud. You have killed this. And I'm well. Just, I've
1: used your principles. I've, I've been putting 13 percent of my salary away for 28 years. <laughs> and
0: you're and you're a baby steps millionaire, an everyday millionaire. You you know you you nobody gave you any money. You're the guy that got up, left the cave, killed something, and dragged it home. You showed up at work when you didn't feel like it and got stuff done. You got grit. You're that guy. That's how you got where you are. I know that about you because I can tell it. I can see it in the numbers. You don't get where you cool. are being a, a melting snowflake. Okay. You get where you are grinding and, and, and showing yeah. up and being a man of honor and a man of duty. And that, that's who you are. Am I wrong? That's what I did. Yeah. And I'm so, so and, and, and wasn't, it wasn't fancy and it wasn't sexy. And all your get rich quick friends thought you were slow. But you weren't slow. You kicked all of them's butt because here you sit with it probably about a $2 million net worth, give or take, and, and, and you did it, man. So I, I want you to enjoy this season where you've lived like no one else. You've paid a price. Now you get to live and give like no one else and not having a mortgage while you're on vacation somewhere around the world with your wife, enjoying your 42 years of marriage, um, it's it's a different thing, man, and I want that for you. I want that sense of peace, that sense of power. Um, we don't need to arbitrage your home. We don't need to leverage your home for you to win. You won.
2: You already won. Yeah, and I love the advice that you give because I just walked through that scenario, and he's got a house that's right at uh, – he didn't tell us – he told us what the mortgage is. It's probably worth more than the 495 way more than that. And so now all of a sudden – we, with having no debt, you have this asset that's extremely valuable. If you need to liquidate, it's there. Not to mention he's invested, you know, yeah. and he's done so he much. It is it. Yeah. No, he's not going to need it. But that's the whole idea is not yeah. carry the debt at all. This idea of, well, I'm going to pay my mortgage off with the yeah. interest. What's the temptation to follow that? You're
0: going to have $20,000. he has got $11,000 already coming in. And when he puts that million one to work and it creates another $10,000, $15,000 <laughs> a month, yeah. He's going to have twenty twenty five thousand dollars a month to live on and have no payments. This sounds like a good life to me. I like your life. Yeah, it sounds like and, the American dream, Dave. And I'm proud it's of you. Dead. I'm proud of you, man. He's I, he's who we're trying to get people to be.
2: hundred percent. He's the poster child.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, neither one of us are children anymore, but yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> a poster something. It's a metaphor, We're, we're, we're poster somethings, Ken, but you we're guys, not sure which.
2: You guys are young still. <laughs> I think you got to get to eighty, eighty-five before you can call yourself old in today's world.
0: Uh, just the older I get, the older my grandpa. When he was eighty, he kept talking about this guy down the street. He said that old man. And I'm like, Grandpa, you're eighty. He goes, Yeah, but he's older than me. He's an old man. So That's true no matter how old you get, somebody older. Hopefully.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point you run out of candidates, though.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, that guy, Dan. Dan, you're a stud, man. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. And I would just enjoy this and. Uh, Don't overthink it. You didn't get here by overthinking it. You got here by executing. Steady. Rhythm. You stuck with it. The grit. That's how you got here. Just keep doing that. Not by trying to get fancy. This is the Ramsey Show. Did you know, statistically, when it comes to life insurance and protecting your family, that women are more likely to be uninsured or underinsured than men? This doesn't make any sense. Women make up half the workforce, contribute mightily to family incomes, and in many cases are the breadwinners and take care of their families 24 hours a day. This is one of the most overlooked areas when it comes to financial planning. Maybe it's a relic of the past, but a loss of income or the need to replace family care is equally important for women as it is for men. Single moms, working moms, and stay-at-home moms all need term life insurance. and Ramsey Personality is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Guys, we really value the input from people who watch and listen to The Ramsey Show. It helps us know what's important to you, what you like, and the things that we want to change and can change based on your input. We will, and uh, we we love hearing from you. We're doing a survey right now. It only takes a few minutes. Obviously, it doesn't cost anything. And those that take it will be in a drawing for a $500 Visa gift card that obviously could be used for anything. That's a pretty nice gift. So um, go take the survey, and you might be the winner of that. RamseySolutions.com slash survey. You can answer the questions on your phone really quick. Won't take but a minute. RamseySolutions.com slash survey. Kyle is with us in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Kyle. Welcome to the Ramsey Show.
3: Hey, Dave. Hey, Ken. Thanks for taking
0: my call today. Sure. What's up? Well, my wife and I found the Baby Steps
4: about four years ago, and we were fortunate enough to start on Baby Step 3. Uh, since then, we've taught FPU two times, but we we are still hesitant to uh, cut up the credit cards and close the accounts. Uh, we have that, that fear of fraudulent debit card uh, purchases, and I, I've heard you talk about it before in the past, about the protections between debit and credit cards. Yeah, please, my please. my own
0: research. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: In my own research, uh, following hearing those episodes, I have uh, looked into it and found anecdotal evidence that people suffer when their debit cards get misused and then the banks take a while or they may try to refuse the refunds uh, by those uh, fraudulent charges. Do you have any input or any uh, other protections out there that you would suggest to help prevent those, to help us get over that fear and stop using credit cards?
0: Yeah. Um first, I would tell you that if you don't get over the fear, you should not lead Financial Peace University because it's you're you're telling you know we're telling people to quit using credit cards, and you leading the class are still using them as hypocritical, so that's not good for you it's not good for the people in the class. So, uh, if you can't get, if you can't deal with this issue, I understand, I'm not going to be mad at you, but it's inconsistent for when the cornerstone of the class is to get rid of all debt so that you can become wealthy. So let's, let's set that on the table first. Secondly, Absolutely. Um, I understand. yeah, secondly, I carry debit cards, um, and I have used them literally all over the world. I don't own a single credit card, um. And I have had fraudulent transactions. Uh, I've had lots of scares, lots of shutdowns, uh, lots of reverse charges. Um, I have never had a bank uh, hold money on me. And, and I'm I'm probably my point is I'm probably more exposed to fraud the average person because i travel so much and i do so many different kinds of transactions and we run all of ramsey solutions a 300 million dollar company with debit cards the company doesn't have any credit cards and so you know i've got like several hundred people that work on the team that carry a ramsey debit card so we've got massive exposure to what you're talking about and our practical experience is it is so rare that something takes more than 24 or 48 hours to get refunded that it's you know it's there now if you're buying something for an amount of money that if that amount of money doesn't get returned to you in 48 hours destroys your life that says you shouldn't be buying something like that mathematically and so the, right. there's another level of lack of wisdom that's involved in some of those stories that you find in the deep, dark recesses of the Internet uh, mm-hmm. in your uh, research that you've done. But the the practical fact is we see so little misbehavior by banks or stress put on people by this that, it, that the offset of – now, I will tell you this. The people that use credit cards and pay them off every month, 78% don't them off every month so someone's lying about paying them off every month because when you talk to people they all say they pay them off every month and nobody does and and so so, you know the number of people that fall into the trap of getting screwed over by the use of credit cards versus fall into the trap of having their life considerably offset by a delayed refund in the rare event of a fraudulent transaction that actually does cost you money and how long does it take to get back in your account is uh you know the 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 numbers don't even i mean it's a bazillion times more on credit cards the lives are destroyed and messed up than they are by somebody not getting a fraud refund on a debit card and so the trade-off is not even close uh yeah there is there is a reality that that can happen and it does happen on on occasion but it is not a frequent thing i'm giving you a set example that that I literally have hundreds of debit cards.
2: Yeah, I, I think the data will show you, Kyle, and I think you've done enough research to know that the numbers would tell you that it's an irritation, this fear that you have, not a devastation. And uh, there's two things you could do. You ask, what could you do? If you don't have identity theft of Xander Insurance, Stacy and I have that, everybody at Ramsey Solutions does, identity theft protection is going to help you there and protect you. And then I will tell you, I'm not going to endorse any bank, but our personal bank, they're so good with their security that sometimes if Stacy and I are out of state and we forget to tell them we're going somewhere, we just go to dinner and it'll hit send me a text. We, your card was just charged. Your debit card was charged at this restaurant. Are you there? Are you, know, you, are you in Cabo? Is it you? Yes, yes, I am. As, as a matter of fact, <laughs> it happened. And so um, I, I think you've created a boogeyman that really doesn't exist, lurking around every corner. Does it happen? No. Yes. Is it? Is it devastating? The, the, financially? the number of times no. that
0: the number of times that it is an actual serious financial problem to a family versus the number of times a credit card is an actual serious financial problem You're right. to a credit card is, is one tenth of one percent these yeah. no they don't even they don't even line up they're not even close they're not in the same stratosphere of the damage one does versus the damage another does yeah not even close and so the trade-off is just not worth it on this one issue because debit cards have a 100 percent fraud protection that's correct. if it is fraud the bank has to refund it that is Visa's policy. It is Mastercard's policy. It is in there. It's a zero liability policy. You can read it in their own stuff. And so the people that say, and he's not saying this, but the people that say, well, credit cards have fraud protection, debit cards don't. That's not true. It's just not true. He's not saying that, by the way. But um, to his credit. But the uh, but but so for those of you out there, your debit card has the exact same fraud protection your credit card has. What he's referring to is if you. Uh, went online and bought something with your debit card, and it was uh, uh, no. If someone used someone, your someone stole your yeah. identity and yeah. used your account, or they picked up your card number off a false reader or something on an one of these ripoff ATM machine things, and they take your card and they go buy something with it, and it shows up in your account, and it's two hundred bucks. The it does two hundred dollars does come out of your account, out of your checking account, and then you report the fraud, and the bank has to put it back. And the number of times that that causes disaster on a family is almost zero because, A, banks put it back really, really fast, and, B, you shouldn't be using any financial transaction that, if it goes sideways, destroys your life. That's correct. Period. Now, I'll tell you what does happen, and then people use this to whine about this as a justification rationalization for using their credit cards. And this is not Kyle, but I hear it all the time for people that are, man, keep my credit card. and we keep one open. Because so when I travel, they put a hold. So when you check into a hotel, all right, the one we were staying in the other night, I didn't use my card because we were doing a corporate thing. We're out there, and our uh, account was set up with Omni. But uh, if I go check into an Omni or a whatever by myself with Sharon and me, they'll put a hold on your account for the amount. So four hundred bucks a night, three hundred bucks a night, two hundred whatever it is, right? They're gonna put a hold on that and it might be a day or two before it comes off. But listen, if you can't afford a two or three or four hundred dollar hold on your account, then you can't afford to stay in that hotel. You should be at home working. That's, you know, these are the things you need to think about. And, but they're like, yeah, well, they took that $200 down. I can't, it took three days, two days, two days. for many took the hold off of it? Well, that sometimes does happen. Yeah. But you don't need to be doing stuff that you can't afford. that That's the other thing. So, yeah, it's up to you, Kyle. You get to decide, man. But uh, the trade-off for me is obvious. It's a minor irritation versus the damage that credit cards have done to American families for decades. This is The Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey Personality, best-selling author of the book Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host today as we talk to you about your careers, your jobs, your life, and your money. Jump in if you want to talk. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Christopher is with us. He is in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hi, Christopher. How are you?
3: I'm doing pretty good. Hey, um, I'll just start with my question first. Um, Considering my situation, should I buy a house? Now, with that being said... My current situation, I'm currently a nurse, a uh, new nurse that I graduated with my associate's degree this past uh, spring, but I'm also a student finishing my RN to BSN, and I'm also a landlord. Um, and so I'm kind of like, you know, with all these things at play, you know, we're working part-time, and in my situation, should I buy a house? And I know that's on a whole ton of information. But, that's okay. Uh, I got you.
0: So, so you're, huh. you're how old?
3: I'm 22.
0: And you make how much money?
3: Uh, gross right now being part-time, it's about 3,600.
0: Okay. So you're finishing up school right now.
3: Correct. Yep. I'm doing the RN, the BSN. So I'm currently a registered nurse. That's a wonderful
0: career path. Um, now I would concentrate on that. I, I don't want you to get distracted. I want you to finish school. Sure. So do that. How are you a landlord?
3: Well I bought a house with my brother in twenty eighteen and we've rented it out ever since. And it's all paid for.
0: So you were eighteen years old?
3: Correct. We mm-hmm. bought it for well, a little background, I used to do construction before nursing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: so we bought a house for like thirty one thousand, fixed it up and then rented it out and then, uh, What, what would it out. sell for? Probably right now a hundred and ten in being in that location.
0: Mhm. Okay. Hmm. If you didn't own it, would you buy it right now?
3: Um, No, probably not. Why don't you all sell it? Uh, because we're renting it right now, I guess.
0: It's a single so family?
3: We, we, yeah, single family home. So when's the lease up? Uh, It would be, I think, in December, if I remember correctly.
0: Okay. I would consider putting that house on the market after the first of the year and getting rid of it. Here's the thing. I don't think that house, although it was a neat experiment for you and experience to do that at 18 years old, I don't think that house is the secret sauce to your future, nor is home ownership at 22 the secret sauce to your future. I think the secret sauce to your future is you finishing this nursing path that you are on. You are going to have tremendous opportunity to make a lot of money and uh, stay steadily employed the rest of your life as long as you want to be a nurse. I mean. This is an incredible field. There's such a shortage. And, Ken, the upside's really mm-hmm. strong.
2: There's a lot of upside for you uh, as a nurse, even if you want to go beyond that after a while. And I would agree with Dave here. The houses are still going to be there. You're 22. Uh, you've got this investment property that you could absolutely sell. Take your portion of the profit and that becomes a part of your down payment but i wouldn't be in any kind of rush i'd get through school let's get in nursing let's get settled let's get our sights on where we want to go within nursing what that mountaintop looks like the houses will be there
0: sometimes christopher people miss achieving a major goal in their life not because the goal was hard but because they got distracted and added too many other things on their plate and that, and home ownership, and landlording, and all that other crap. While you're just trying to get through school, I'm trying to clean up your plate and just say focus on what really matters, what the real goal is, and these other things could just be devilish distractions. Evan is with us in Albany, New York. Hi, Evan. How are you? Hey,
3: guys. How you doing?
0: Better than we deserve, sir. How can we help?
3: Yeah. So, um, me and my dad. Well, he owns a business. I've been I've been only working here for two years now, but he's, he's been relapsing over the past year, relapsing, a, relapsing. Sorry. yep. In what um, way? I mean, in a, in a drinking problem way. And okay. So he has, he has he's an
0: alcoholic yep. and he's back in the bottle. while trying to run the business. Yep. Wow. I'm sorry.
2: What's the business? Say again, sir. What is the business? Yeah. It's a, um, Pest
3: control business. Pest
2: control?
0: And how old are you?
3: I'm 20.
0: And how many employees does he have?
3: Uh, almost 40.
0: And uh, you're 20. How long has your dad been drinking?
3: Um, On and off for the past 15, 20 years. Your whole life?
0: Yeah. And you've been running around trying to clean up his messes your whole life? Uh, I'm sorry. It, yeah. I'm sorry. That's hard. So, what's your question, Evan?
3: I'm I'm just well. The bottom line is pretty much like how do I get him back to work? He's kind of bedridden right now.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, your mom gone?
3: Um, divorce. Divorce.
0: Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Not shocking. Okay. Um.
2: Has he put you in a leadership position, or are you just one of the employees who happens to be his son? What kind of responsibility do you have for the business?
3: um I, I do have some responsibility there. I'm one of the managers so I out with okay. budget and advertising and,
2: okay. and billing. but we have like five other managers who thank God know what they're doing and are very good. Okay, so the business is doing well despite his absence. Evan, yes, let, me, let me tell you. Let's, let's
0: just stop. Let's just stop. Okay. The um, the advice I'm going to give you is going to be very hard to hear. Are you ready to hear it? Yep. Okay. Um, there's a whole syndrome around adult children of alcoholics. You can look it up and start reading about the symptoms of an adult child that grew up in an alcoholic home. And one of the things that we see folks that grow up like you've grown up. Is you, you've seen so much pain and there's so much disaster in the wake of all the alcoholism that you you feel like your job is always to clean up the messes, and that's a standard reaction to this situation. Um, if you were uh, my little brother, if you were my nephew. If 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 you and I could sit down together and have a cup of coffee, I could put my arm around you and give you a hug, I would right now, and I would tell you that it's time for you to stop saving your father.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He's going to have to do that himself. You can do that as a loving son from a distance, but if I were you, I would go get a job somewhere else and build a life somewhere else, and from a position of strength emotionally and spiritually begin to do some healing from what all you've been through. And from that position of strength, maybe you can give your dad a little bit of aid with his alcoholism. But it is not your job, Evan, at twenty years old, to save your dad from the mess that he has made for the last fifteen years, and that includes his screwed up business life. You don't have that it's not your job. I want to set you free from that assignment. It is not your assignment. Run, please run for your sake. You know, I, I don't know if you'll do that or not. I don't know if you can hear me say this or not. But you need to be free of this, and it doesn't mean you never speak to your dad again. It doesn't mean you're mean to your dad. It doesn't mean you're unkind to him, or that you yell at him because he's destroyed everything with his drinking. I'm not telling you to do any of that. I'm just saying you have to have some separation and go get some healing on your own. Because, dude, what you have lived through as a child has wo- is wounding. It's and, and you know, and the one of the biggest symptoms is that adult children of alcoholics have to have everything perfect have to have everything perfect because their job was to keep up appearances because dad's laying in bed drunk. And so my job is to go down there and run the business as if he's not. And, and it's, it's a form of denial, and it comes out specifically in this. And I'm not a psychologist. Dr. John Deloney, you might want to talk to him. Uh, I'll put you on hold. Kelly will set up time talk to him on the air if you want. He'll tell you the same thing I'm telling you, though. You've got to have some separation from this situation in order to be of assistance to your dad. And it is not your job, young man, to fix all this. Be free. It's not your job to fix this. You didn't break it. It is not your duty to fix it. And you're not a bad son by walking away from this. The best thing you can do for you and for your dad is to walk away from this. And then you can give him aid as a loving son from a little more distance in a position of healing. Please go work somewhere else. This is The Ramsey Show. Scripture of the day First Peter 1:13 Therefore prepare your minds for action keep sober in spirit fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ Mark Spitz said if you fail to prepare you have prepared to fail That's a name I haven't heard in a while Yeah Mark Spitz
2: Olympic swimmer? Yeah. Is that right? Big okay. Time. Wow, that was challenging. Multiple, me there.
0: multiple, multiple gold medals. Before there was Michael Phelps. Yeah. He was the guy. All right. All right. He was the guy. Wow. That's a long time ago though. Uh, open phones at triple eight eight two five five two two five. K is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hi, Kay. Welcome to the Ramsey show.
5: Hi. Thanks, Dave. Um going along with the theme here today, I think, of car uh, questions. Um, we have gotten ourselves into quite a bit of credit card debt over the past year. And, um, I'm wondering, um, we are doing a plan right now and we're very gazelle intense and we have a lot of stuff that we're selling. Um, my husband's income is getting ready to go up in December and he's also getting ready to get quite a few bonuses, um, in the next couple of months. And I'm wondering if we could wait for some of that stuff to happen and continue to be gazelle intense before we think about selling one of our cars or if we should just do it now and then, you know, whenever that extra money comes in, I guess it's just extra money.
0: Okay. Why are you selling the car?
5: To pay off the credit card debt.
0: Oh, I see okay so what what is the car the car's worth what are they worth?
5: We have a um like a classic sports car that's paid off that probably right now is worth about thirty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars my other, car and he drives that paid off um he actually yes, quite a bit i mean he doesn't it's not a daily driver oh so it's a, a it. it's a third car it's a third car. It's a third car. Yes. Okay.
0: So you have a thirty thousand um, dollar third car, and the second car is what? What are you The Second it,
5: car. What is it worth? Is it's it's worth probably right now about thirty five to forty, and it's paid off.
0: Okay. And what's the next and car?
5: The next car is we do have a loan on that for thirty thousand, and it's probably worth right now about forty.
0: Okay. And so. It sounds like you have one hundred and ten thousand dollars worth of vehicles. Yes. And what is your household income?
5: It's about one hundred and sixty, and by the end of the year, it should be about two
0: hundred. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the rule of thumb that we use is to not have too much tied up in things that are going down in value. And our definition of that is when you have more than 50% of your household income tied up in things with wheels and motors, then you've got too much tied up in things that are going down in value. It makes it mathematically hard to get ahead. You, are, you guys are car poor for sure. Now, if you've got $110,000 worth of cars or $100,000 worth of cars and you make two hundred, you are right on the bubble on that. Okay, So, no, I would not sell those cars based on that formula. The other formula we look at is: Can you be debt free except the house if you keep all of these things in 24 months? So you have fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt, and you have uh, forty or thirty thousand dollars in car debt. That's eighty. What other debt do you have, not counting your house? Nothing. Okay. So can you pay off eighty in 24 months? Yeah, you probably can. So if yeah, you love if exactly. you love these cars, I would keep them. But in, but I also want you guys to look at each other and go, we were right on the bubble on stupid, and we don't need to get up yeah. on this bubble again. Okay. Because you don't get rich buying cars. No. And, and you guys have invested a large chunk of your lives in cars. And so they're right on the bubble, and if you love all three of the cars and you want to hold them, you're going to be in a position shortly to have kept them, and that makes sense mathematically. But you really have to address um, your addiction to automobiles <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to struggle if you don't. That, that's the whole process. So, um, hey, but you're, you're right there. I, I'm with you. I would probably keep them, and I'd probably pay them all off. But the only caveat is just go, you know, if we hadn't had these big raises, we'd be selling some stuff.
2: Oh yeah, and they're still going to have to hustle. Yep. They're going to have to get after this. You know, I I, I like classic cars in this situation. I've, I was very, I was, I was surprised a little bit not at your philosophy, but I'd move one of those cars if the classic car means a lot to the guy. I would downgrade in my everyday driver to be able to pay off the classic car. That's me. That yeah. I would want to fast, but I want to fast forward everything. Yeah, I don't want to struggle when I can well, to make one transaction. You got Eighty
0: thousand bucks, and you got, you know, you got twenty four months. Yeah. So you're you're going to do beans and rice in order to keep these cars? Is That's, it really worth it? To me, and, it's and not. What happens a lot of times is when people get into that, they get about they get about six <laughs> months into it and they go, "Screw it, sell the car." That's right. You're right. They end up at that conclusion. Yeah. yeah. And, and but yeah. To, you know, because right now in this conversation, we love these cars. Oh yeah. But once you start figuring out, this is killing me. Right. I'm, I'm having to live on nothing. I make two hundred thousand dollars a year. And I'm living on nothing. These cars own me. Yeah. And you'll dump one of them then.
2: Yeah, I, I agree.
0: That's what'll happen. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't always happen. But it no. can. It can. It yeah. can. Uh, up next is James in Knoxville. Hi, James. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. How's it going? Better than I deserve. What's up?
4: So I have a camper that I have been going back and forth with um, with my wife on. Um, I feel like we should sell the camper. Um, I don't feel like it is a uh, a bill that we need to keep paying on every month. Um, How much do you owe on? To about twenty five thousand.
0: What will it sell for?
4: Uh, man, prices have gone up on everything. I think I could probably get thirty five for it.
0: Okay. And what's your household income?
4: Sixty five thousand. Sell the camper. That's what I feel like. But trying to convince my wife is a bit tough.
0: Yeah. With what you're spending on this camper, you can stay in the freaking Ritz. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and they'll let and the you other, sleep in a sleeping bag out on the balcony if you want. <laughs> if it'll make you feel true. better. I don't think that's true. And the
4: other, the other thing too is you know <laughs> you got to pay for uh, you know diesel fuel to get where you're going. You yeah. Got to pay to stay there. I yeah. feel like it's
0: stupid. You are you are paying Ritz money for yeah. camping.
2: But why does yeah. she love it? Why? Why do you think? If she hasn't articulated it, what do you think is the reason she doesn't want to sell it?
4: Well, we talked about it last night. Actually, uh-huh. uh, she feels like. Um, you know, our kids are young and if we sell this camper because we don't have any other debt besides this camper and our mortgage. Um, so, you know, if we get rid of this,
2: I I think she feels like she's missing out on, uh, I don't know. Totally get it. All right. So what's your monthly payment to the uh, camper right now? About 425 Yeah. Cast another vision yeah. at $425 a month. That's going to be memory after memory after memory, but zero stress. I just think you got to replace her feelings. I understand what she's feeling. I think
0: she's right. Doing stuff with the kids would be really cool. And for 400 bucks a month, you can do a lot do of stuff a with lot the kids.
2: And just replace the camper with another vision.
0: Yeah, where are we going to go? I mean, go stay in some rustic cabins. Go yep. do some stuff that other people own, and you don't have to screw with it. It doesn't sit in the backyard going down in value. And um and it's not—it's the only big payment you have, and so um, yeah, you guys—you guys didn't buy a camper; you bought a dream of family time while the kids are little and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So go live that dream, Ken's right a different way, and uh, that doesn't involve owning the stupid thing. Um, and I'm not against campers, but honestly, a twenty-five thousand-dollar camper when your household income is sixty thousand is out of control. That's just—that's a lot of money, uh, and, and so. I wouldn't do that. I just, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I, I you're you're better off to just spend the money on hotels, spend the money on rustic cabins, whatever you want to call it, whatever the adventure is, but go on different adventures that are with the similar amount of money being spent and um, that, that are accomplishing the goal that she wants to accomplish. I, I'm not arguing with her goal. I think her goal's valid.
2: Yes. Well, she's a mama, and they, they want to have some great memories, and you can do that. I, and
0: I think you should. Yeah. yeah. We've done a lot of stuff with our kids as they were growing up, and it's... You know, some of those stories, they still talk about them as adults, the stuff we did when they were little. And, yeah, you got to drag them around and make them uncomfortable. That's part of the program.
2: (laughs) I think you should get the whole family really nice uh, sleeping bags and try that Ritz plan that Dave's talking about. I want to see how that works out. (laughs) Come on, kids. We're going to the Ritz balcony. Uh, All right. All right, smart aleck. Ken
0: Coleman, James Ben, Zach, and Austin and Kelly in the booth. I am Dave Ramsey, your host. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Dave here. We just launched a brand new audience survey for the Ramsey Show, and we'd love your feedback. You could be entered to win a $500 Visa gift card. No purchase necessary. Take the survey at ramseysolutions.com/survey.